Welcome to the Election Ride Home for Wednesday, August 28th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, a second Georgia Senate seat is now on the ballot in 2020. Who will be in the September debate? How to watch the September debate? And new polling clarifies whether we were right to flip out earlier this week. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. This morning, something truly unexpected happened. Senator Johnny Isaacson, a Republican from Georgia, announced that he would resign from the Senate this year. Reading from his announcement, quote, After much prayer and consultation with my family and my doctors, I have made the very tough decision to leave the U.S. Senate at the end of this year. I have informed Georgia Governor Brian Kemp today that I will resign my Senate seat effective December 31st, 2019. I am leaving a job I love because my health challenges are taking their toll on me, my family, and my staff. My Parkinson's has been progressing, and I am continuing physical therapy to recover from a fall in July. In addition, this week I had surgery to remove a growth on my kidney. In my 40 years in elected office, I have always put my constituents and my state of Georgia first. With the mounting health challenges I am facing, I have concluded that I will not be able to do the job over the long term in the manner the citizens of Georgia deserve. It goes against every fiber of my being to leave in the middle of my Senate term, but I know it's the right thing to do on behalf of my state. End quote. Isaacson is 74 years old and his health issues are severe. His term would normally end in 2022, but this retirement means two things. First, Governor Kemp will appoint a temporary replacement upon Isaacson's retirement. That means, presumably, a Republican serves in that seat from January 1st, 2020 until the general election, which is when Georgia law requires that seat to be filled by voters in a special election. This is where it gets politically interesting. So you know how I just mentioned Governor Kemp of Georgia and how we've spoken on this show so much about a certain Georgia politician who almost got his job? Like, really got super duper close? Yeah, that's Stacey Abrams, who officially declined to run for president this year in order to pursue efforts to stop voter suppression. At the same time, she declined to run for the other Senate seat in Georgia challenging David Perdue. So, there was a great disturbance in the force this morning as suddenly every Democratic pundit said, Hey, wait, hold up. We thought Abrams might be a good VP on the 2020 ticket, and she already said no on the Purdue Senate race in Georgia, but what if she didn't? (laughs) What if she didn't say no to this other Senate race in Georgia? Because, I mean, that's totally different, right? Well, Abrams promptly clarified, yet again, no, no way on the whole Senate thing. In a statement, she said that she would, quote, not be a candidate, end quote. That is very clear, so let's knock it off with the Abrams fantasy football stuff. The reason this is such a tectonic moment, even without Abrams running, is that now there are more seats in the Senate that are actually on the ballot in 2020. Democrats face a serious challenge in taking the majority in that chamber, but adding a seat might change that math. Not much, but a little, and Georgia might be in play. And part of this comes from a wave of retirements. Reading from a summary in The Hill by Jordan Carney, quote, Isaacson is the fourth Republican senator in the past year to announce that they will retire. Senators Lamar Alexander, Republican of Tennessee, Mike Enzi, Republican of Wyoming, and Pat Roberts, Republican of Kansas, who were each up for re-election in 2020, have announced that they will leave the Senate. Democratic Senator Tom Udall of New Mexico has also announced he will retire instead of run for re-election next year. End quote. 
Okay, so at the moment, the Senate map has changed a bit. We don't know who's going to run for that seat, but you can bet everybody in Georgia is running around right now trying to figure out how to handle this. I have also included a link in the show notes to an interactive map where you can fiddle around with the contested Senate seats this year and see exactly how hard it would be to get a Democratic majority in that chamber. Next up, we now know who will be in the September DNC debate. Now, technically, the DNC won't make this announcement until tomorrow, but I can give you a 90% confidence unofficial read right now because pollsters do tend to release in the morning, not, you know, moments before the deadline at 11.59 p.m. tonight. It's possible, but unlikely. The basics are it looks like 10 candidates on one night. So contrary to my prediction, activist and former hedge fund manager Tom Steyer did not manage to pick up a fourth qualifying poll in time for September. So that does not trigger ABC's rule to break the field into two nights. So that means on the night of Thursday, September 12th, we will have 10 candidates on stage for a single night of debate. They are Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, Castro, Harris, Klobuchar, O'Rourke, Sanders, Warren, and Yang. This comes after two new polls released this morning, one from Suffolk University and USA Today, the other from Quinnipiac University. Neither of them moved the needle for the closest candidates to qualify, who are Gabbard, who needs two more polls at 2% or higher, and Steyer, who, like I said, just needs one. The other candidate who is on the bubble there is Williamson, who has just one poll, but, like those other two, does have the donors. Gillibrand also has one poll, but doesn't have the donors yet. And one last note here, pertinent to yesterday's polling discussion, Yang did get 3% in the Quinnipiac poll, which knocks out a previous 2% result he had. This does bring his DNC-sanctioned polling average up slightly to 3% overall. That puts him ahead of Castro and O'Rourke and tied with Klobuchar. So, this is a rather undramatic finish to this particular sprint, but it does set up the next one, which is the grind to get into the October debate, which still has good odds of including more than 10 candidates. Candidates have until two weeks before that next debate to get those remaining polls, though we do not yet know when that next debate is. I am guessing we'll hear that tomorrow, or at least real soon. And an interesting historical note, ABC had promised that if there were more than 10 candidates, there would have been some kind of event, I dare say some kind of draw, this Thursday to figure out who went on which night. Obviously, there is no need for that now. We can expect the 10 candidates to fan out on the stage just like they have in the past, with the highest polling folks in the middle and the lowest on the outer edges. One final side effect here. I should note that this debate will not air on Friday, which means it doesn't spill over into the Jewish Sabbath. So, for our observant listeners, I am glad it turned out this way. Alright, that's what we know, and I will let you know when we know the slightest thing about October. I would say 95% of the time when my phone buzzes to remind me of something, I am not pleased. I am the opposite of pleased. But there is one special notification that I look forward to every day. And that one comes from Simple Habit. It's an app that helps me take care of myself. Take a little time to de-stress, be aware of my body, and let go of some of the stuff that's just bugging me. You know? There are tens of thousands of five-star reviews of this thing on the App Store. So you don't have to take it from me, though I hope you do, because I can get you a deal. 
And if you want to try it out for free, you totally can. But I would like you to start with the link I'm going to give you because if you do sign up, it helps the show and that helps me and that makes me less stressed too. I want you to go to simplehabit.com slash ride. The first 50 listeners who sign up for a paid plan there will get 30% off. Now you got to use that link. It's the first link in the show notes. Again, that is simplehabit.com slash ride to get the discount and let them know you came from this show. So one last time, the first 50 listeners who go to simplehabit.com slash ride are going to get 30% off and they're going to get a notification on their phone that they enjoy. Okay, true story time. When I graduated from high school, I went down to the library and got a book on stock picking, and I picked a bunch of total jokers by following this weird, magical thinking strategy involving curves and the Dow and all this weird stuff. Anyway, my first five stock picks all went down the drain. And there is a lesson there. Do some research on an actual company rather than using some bizarre magic formula. And that's where My Wall Street comes in. My Wall Street does the research, and they tell you about stocks they think are solid, and why. You get actual facts about actual companies. My Wall Street helps you enter the world of investing with a trustworthy partner at your side. Or if you're already there and you want some excellent research, this is the tool you need. So check it out. Election Ride home listeners can access the entire My Wall Street app, all that research, for free, and use it for 30 days instead of the normal 7-day free trial. After a full month, you can stick with their expert guidance for just $9.99 a month. So visit MyWallST.com slash ride to download the app now and get access to their market beating stock picks and expert guidance. Again, that link is spelled mywallst.com slash ride. All right, now that we are confident about the lineup for September, it is time to mark our calendars. The debate takes place on Thursday, September 12th, which is just two weeks from tomorrow. It'll be held in Houston, Texas at Texas Southern University, which is a historically black university. Now, I imagine in-person tickets to that event are probably all sold out by now, but if y'all in Houston want to tell me more about that, do let me know. For the rest of us, it'll be broadcast live on ABC TV stations as well as Univision with a live Spanish translation. And, of course, we can stream it. One of the non-controversial things that ANC did this cycle was require all the debates to be streamable without having to log into anything. So I do want to say thank you, DNC. That is a good rule. So as you prep for debate night, this is the list of streaming platforms that ABC announced about a week ago. ABC News Live, the abcnews.com website, the various ABC mobile apps for phones and tablets, Hulu Live, the ABC Roku channel, Facebook Watch, the ABC Apple TV app, the ABC Amazon Fire TV app, YouTube, Apple News, and Twitter. So that should cover pretty much any modern device that can stream any kind of video, and of course, broadcast TV works too, assuming you are near an ABC affiliate and have an antenna. And yes, there will be debate bingo one night this time. I'm going to spend part of this weekend working on those cards, and if you are so inclined, you can play along with me at home. More info on that as we get closer. And last up today, let's all cast our minds way back into history, all the way back to yesterday, when everybody was still flipping out about that one poll from Monmouth University. The quickest of recaps, the polls showed Joe Biden way down and in a dead heat with both Sanders and Warren. As we discussed yesterday at great length, the thing I was looking for was more polling to see whether that poll was indeed an outlier or a sign of sudden change. Well, today we have two new polls to look at, and from my initial reading, yeah, that Monmouth poll looks like an outlier. 
That does not mean it's bad or that we shouldn't trust Monmouth. It just means this is how polls work. And in general, the aggregate of many polls, a polling average, gives us a better view of reality than any single snapshot. All right, so let's dig into one of those new polls. It is by Quinnipiac, and I'm going to cover the methodology first. They polled 1,422 registered voters, including 648 Democratic or Democratic-leaning voters between August 21st and 26th. It was a phone poll, including cell phones. The overall margin of error is plus or minus 3.1 percentage points, and the margin for the specific Democratic voter subgroup is plus or minus 4.6 percentage points. Now, the big question here, obviously, is whether the Democratic primary voter preference for Biden would line up in any way like the Monmouth poll. And short answer, no. The outcome is a lot closer to what we've seen from other recent polls. Among Democrats and Democratic-leaning voters, the percentages were 32% for Biden, 15% for Sanders, and 19% for Warren. The margin of error there is plus or minus 4.6% in either direction for each number. No other candidate broke out of the single digits. So yesterday I asked three specific questions. First, is Biden still the frontrunner? Well, according to this poll and today's USA Today slash Suffolk poll and other recent polls, yes. He's not completely running away with the race, but yeah, he has a solid double-digit lead on the next candidate, who is Warren. That can change, but that's where we are today. The second question I asked yesterday was, is it true that Warren and Sanders are essentially tied? That is a little trickier, but the answer is, yeah, pretty much, and Warren might have the edge. If you look at, for instance, that awesome interactive data explorer made by The Economist, there's a link in the show notes, check it out, it's actually rad, the trend shows Warren at 18% on average as of yesterday, with Sanders at 16%, and Warren does seem to be rising, while Sanders is either rising slower or is kind of flat, depending on how you want to fit that curve. So, are they tied? Well, they're really quite close. Closer to one another than they are to Biden, anyway. I'm going to stick with that answer for now. The final question that I asked yesterday was, why? Why is this the case? And to disappoint all of you, that answer cannot come from just one or two polls. That's why there's a whole podcast about this. We do have some interesting new data that I do want to mention, though. Quinnipiac asked a variety of questions about the economy. And this time they're including all voters. So the margin of error is lower at plus or minus 3.1 percentage points. They've been asking these same questions for years, so there is a long-term trend there. Instead of me digging into every single question and every single answer and all the trends, let me just read the summary from the Quinnipiac release, which does not carry a byline. Quote, For the first time since President Trump was elected, more voters say that the national economy is getting worse than getting better with 37% saying it is getting worse, 31% saying it is getting better, and 30% saying it is staying the same. This compares to a June 11, 2019 poll in which 23% of voters said the national economy is getting worse, 39% said it is getting better, and 37% said that it is staying the same. When asked to rate the state of the nation's economy, 61% of voters say that it is excellent or good, while 37% say that it is not so good or poor. These numbers, while still clearly positive on the economy, are the lowest excellent-slash-good economy numbers found by the Quinnipiac University poll since April 2018. Voters also say that President Trump's policies are hurting the nation's economy at 41%, while 37% say that they are helping, and 20% say that his policies make no difference. End quote. 
Okay, so let's wrap up the polling for today by saying that for now, it looks like the Monmouth poll was probably an outlier. Though again, time is really what tells here. So I would like even more data to make real darn sure that we are not just suffering from confirmation bias. It is too easy to look at today's polls and just say, outlier, proved it. But whether that is really the case will require at least a few more polls. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Election Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Well, it is that time of year in Portland where one week it is 60 degrees and raining, and the next week, meaning right now, it's 100 degrees and everything is melting or on fire. This morning, we actually added a few more drip irrigators in the yarden, as there are many plants that get real crispy and just barely make it through the summer. So, I guess just in time, right? Ugh. On the bright side, no irrigation for that stupid tree stump. So look, y'all, stay hydrated, stay cool, watch out for hurricanes, and run for Senate in Georgia. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. (laughs) 